Hey Tribe, Now Alchemy is a global pioneer of Ormus Gold and all natural absorption enhancement technologies. Archer Love founded Now Alchemy out of the passion to bring forth health products that you can truly trust. Today, Now Alchemy is the leading in the world's youth regenerating, anxiety relieving, conscious expanding remedies for everything the body needs. Some of the things I love most about Now Alchemy is not only do they utilize the abundant principles in sourcing from only the highest quality and most ethically farmed ingredients on the planet, but Archer Love makes these elixirs himself, infusing crystals and esophageal frequencies into each batch to raise their vibration in his sacred laboratory while keeping costs low and affordable. I have personally benefited so much from their Ormus and all of the elixirs that I love are the mushroom elixirs for the brain power and the shilaji elixir for focus and stamina. I use it all the time and I love it. I stand behind the integrity of Now Alchemy wholeheartedly and highly recommend all of their elixirs. Use discount code SHAMAN for 11% off your purchase. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello tribe. And I am so happy to be here with you on Ancient Wisdom today. Life is so interesting, isn't it? I mean, really, really interesting. I mean, when you think about it, you think, okay, so everyone wants to be in their energy, right? Everyone wants to be, you know, like I talking the other day to some people and they're like, I don't hug people. I don't, I don't get close like that with them. You know, I'm, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm like, yeah, so there's a lot of people on the planet who will say they don't hug people. I hug people because that's me because I want to connect with people and I want to make a real connection. But there are people on the planet who will like, you know, say that, you know, they have an issue with that or they want to stay in their own energy. But at the truth of the day, they're not being honest because people who want to stay in their energy should stay in their energy on all levels right? That means what? That means like, if you're a person who says you don't hug people, but yet then you're nosy and you're in everyone's business and you're concerned about what's going on in other people's lives, you're just as much as an intruder than you are just being in your own autonomy. Because the thing is, you're not really in your autonomy. You are maybe physically where you don't let people touch you, but you're traveling outside with your mind and your emotions. And, you know, and that could be even more so dangerous than you just actually giving someone a simple hug. And I'm just using a hug as just a way to kind of give you an idea of, you know, connection. But in truth, most people spend more time outside of their body in other people's lives doing other things 
that they shouldn't be doing other than focusing on who they are, why they are, and how amazing they are, and what the purpose of this creation is for them, and how they want to orchestrate it and create something really beautiful from it, right? I mean, if you think about it, how many people are constantly in everyone else's business? I mean, why is the movie industry so amazing and TV so amazing on our planet and entertainment industry so amazing? And, you know, what such and such is wearing on the red carpet and, you know, who's doing this and who's doing that and what's going on in the news. And then you have all the media, you know, and I catch myself sometimes going into that space and then I have to pull myself out but most of the time it's me just reading about what people are writing about me in the media which I was you know advised by a very close friend of mine to stop doing that because it's just like ridiculous and you know I took after her idea which is she basically said to me over dinner like stop looking at the media she's a big Hollywood starlight and she's like I don't read anything that anyone writes about me or I would be depressed right like what would you do if you knew that everyone was thinking about you and what everyone was doing and how many people are actually in your energy? Like, have you ever just sat and realized that there's all these people right now tuning into you? People who are tuning into you for the reasons of love and some people turning it, tuning into you for because they're jealous or they're afraid of you or they don't get you or they want something from you. Yeah. So... The thing is, why do we do that? Why do we feel that we can't make real connection in the physical and really start building community and connectedness from, a, from the ground level up? Like we have to tear down the old system, this old system of you versus me and us versus them and really start getting into the we. I mean, there's going to come a time on earth where some of us might have to open our homes to people that we've never knew, but we have to open our homes to them because they need to be able to survive. And the thing is, would it, would, would it hurt you to do so? I mean, really, like when I was a kid growing up in Foster City, you know, one of the things I loved to do was to go out and look for like people who were having a hard time on the, on the street, such as street kids or someone who's, you know, on the street and you can tell they just had a really difficult time. And my father had this house in Foster City and I would move people in and clean them up and you know, get them a job in my dad's um, construction company and do what I had to do to make their lives better. Because it doesn't, it's not that much, you know, so it's not that difficult to do so. <laughs> a little bit of a tongue tie. It's not that difficult to do so, right? For us to just to be nice and kind people. And it's really funny too, because I get a lot of people who will say a lot of mean, nasty things about me, make up lies about me, say all kinds of crazy things about me. When in truth, everything that I'm doing is always coming from a place of love and coming from a place of generosity and kindness. Even though some people with their own things that are triggering them may not see it that way. And people will say all kinds of mean things about me. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It may be true to them based on their perception. But then again, if I'm going to base my life on their perception, I'm going to probably be a very miserable person. Here's an idea. Let's not base our lives on other people's perception. Being the fact that their perception can be completely skewed based on the idea of reality is created by them and only them. I mean, I'm not responsible for creating their reality. They are. And if they're responsible for creating their reality and that's how they choose to see me, so be it. It just means, hey, this person isn't really meant to be in my circle or in my close group of friends and my family. 
which is a wonderful thing because they've actually done all of the, the, the groundwork that they need to do to show me that so that I can make a decision to be discerning of their ability to be close to me or not, you know? But the thing is to live in fear is a really big problem on our planet, you know? And especially with everything that's happening with the coronavirus. I mean, I can't begin to tell you like how much people are instilling fear. It's one thing to give people education and share with them like, hey, you know, there's things that you can do, such as make sure you wash your hands and make sure you're just more mindful. If you're traveling in like, you know, Ubers or things like that, that there's a lot of different people who come through there. If you're on airplanes, things like that, you know, just, like, you know, keep yourself nice and sanitized and, you know, whatever it is you feel you need to do. Everyone has their own thing. Some people will keep themselves, you know, um, using like essential oils and others will use, you know, but I think it's good to kind of use both if you ask me. Right. And I think at this point in time, like telling people fearful things are really being supportive and just giving them education and moving it along because the fear monging on our planet is a real deal and it's a real deal situation. Why? Because it supports one system and that's the matrix. You see, the idea of invoking fear in people makes it so that you can pass things. Now, who knows what's going to be passed um, and who knows if there's some kind of conspiracy behind this whole thing. I'm not here to be a person who's basing everything on conspiracy. But what I will say, though, is that it's kind of strange how everyone keeps invoking fear as the way to share messages of education. Like, you can educate people without a whole pound of fear. Like, who wants a pound of fear dropped on them every single day when you're just doing what you can to live your life and make it your best life? I mean, I know I don't. I don't want to wake up and be a fear monger, and I definitely don't want to wake up every day and know that I have fear packages waiting for me at the front door from all my friends and family and all, even the stranger who walked their dog past my house. I don't think that's nice. And in fact, I think it's not nice that people choose to invade in your energetic field. It's like, look, if you're going to think about me, think beautiful thoughts. Or if you can't think beautiful thoughts, and then don't think about me. Focus on yourself. Like, why are you casting out negative thoughts in the first place? Who are you to do so? And what type of person are you who would do that? And if you're a person who likes to read the news so you can get the latest gossip on everyone, why? Most of the things that you read in newspapers and in the news is fake news. You're not going to get the true story and you're not going to get what's really going on because, like I said, everything is based on perception, right? Exactly. So if everything is based on perception, then you realize that that's the perception of the journalist or the news people or the magazine or the newspaper who's taking whatever information they can get from whomever and turning it into whatever they want to turn it in so they can sell more papers and more news. They're not really concerned about really giving you the facts of information that that person actually said out of their mouth. I always think it's funny how people will quote things that people say in the press as if it's the truth because the writer or the journalist is so truthful in their writing when in fact their perception could have distorted a whole bunch of information and by the time it gets to you it's kind of like that telephone game where you say one word and then the next word and the next word and by the time it gets to the sixth or seventh person the word that they started with isn't even the same word well that's the same thing you don't realize how many different eyes and different ears have viewed what that journalist wrote before it was actually printed and put out in the press and that's saying a lot that people actually believe half of what they see in the media as truth wake up that's not truth that's perception 
you want the truth, go find the person that they were interviewing and ask them yourself. I always find it fascinating when you go onto social media and people will make comments about things that you're doing. You know, they call them the trolls, right? Right. And the thing is, I call them the walking dead. People call them trolls. I call them walking dead. Go figure. Walking dead to me is because a person who's walking dead is a person who doesn't use their brain and common sense. Everything that you see and perceive in the world is a perception that you've generated from your upbringing and from what you've learned and what you've experienced and how you believe things to be when we talk about things from being right and wrong, which, as you know, good and evil and right and wrong are subjective to each person's household. That means that what you consider right and what someone else considers right can be completely different, which means then who's right? And that's the interesting thing. I always love how people like to go into this righteous indignation, like their knowledge and their way is the right way. Isn't that the reason why we killed off the Native Americans and enslaved African tribes? Because people just couldn't understand who and what and why they were and what they were doing and why they were dressed that way and eating that way and doing those things. So they must be beneath us because we eat with forks and knives and spoons and they eat with their hands. And so what do we get to do? We can now take over them because they are a lesser species. Did it ever come to the conclusion or the idea ever cross anyone's mind that just because someone is completely different from you, eats different from you, walks different from you, and dresses different than you, doesn't mean they're lower than you? In fact, you wouldn't be able to ever know if they were higher or lower unless you engaged in their customs and ideas and concepts without meddling in it with your own ideas and concepts and using that as a measuring stick of truth and what you believe is possible or not possible. It's the reason why people don't believe in magic. It's kind of sad, unfortunately, that magic is so real to me and my family. We live by it. In fact, we sense it every single day. Most of the time, sometimes we'll say, oh, look, there's this ring around the moon. You should bring your uh, rose quartz with you or you should wear your tiger's eye. You know, people who come and visit my family are like, what are they talking about? Well, I mean, it's a blood moon. You should have these stones with you so that you can change the magnetic frequency of your energy so that things don't happen to you that are negative or come out of nowhere. Don't you want to have some level of um, balance in your life? You know, or like, for instance, like someone says, oh, you know, my child is having a really difficult time. I'm like, you should paint their room violet. So you give them a peace of mind. Parents like, what are you talking about? Well, in my world, we know that colors have a great effect upon the human spirit. And colors um, also can um, open up doorways, create wealth and prosperity, and even change the way you perceive the world just because you choose to wear a color or have a color around you because it emits different frequencies and those frequencies connecting with you create your perception to be different than what someone else's would be. So then again... A lot of righteous indignation comes from the idea of religion. It's the idea that whatever's written in the book is the law, and it is the law, and if you break it, then you're going to go to hell. But then the thing is, you would have to send yourself to hell too, because you do mix your wool and cotton, and I've seen a lot of people eating shrimp and crab and lobster. So all of you on the table who's Christian, who just ate that lobster and crab, I just want to let you know you wrote your one ticket to hell. I mean, it's ridiculous. And what's even more ridiculous is the fact that we actually buy into these things. We actually buy into the idea that someone's opinion and someone's idea of us is us or decides who we are or decides what we are. When in fact, it's just an opinion. 
another opinion over another opinion. And the only people who really know the truth is the spirit world, the creatives, the ones who are orchestrating behind the scenes, the creative beings, the intellectual beings of light and connectivity that connect into each and every one of us and every plant and every substance of life that is seeing and all-seeing of all things at all times without judgment. And the thing is, beings of the light would never ever say something is right or wrong. So why do we? Do we believe that our perception of reality is the only one that exists? And therefore, ours must be the dominating force and everyone else must be shoved into a box or burned or killed or, or alienated or exiled. I mean, that's how we've been treating each other on the planet. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, having these gifts and abilities and never being invited to birthday parties or celebrations because people didn't want me around because they thought I was serving the devil. I don't serve darkness. I actually go into the darkness and change it back into the light. So I guess you could say I do serve the darkness in a way, in a different perception, of course. You could say that I serve the darkness by bringing the darkness home, which is its ultimate want, but is too afraid to ask for it because it just doesn't believe that it deserves that. So I would say that, yeah, I do serve the darkness. I serve humanity and I serve the darkness. And if someone heard that, like if they were passing by a conversation that I might be having with someone, and they happen to be indoctrinated with all these religious views or these very strong ideas of right and wrong and darkness versus light and evil and God versus Satan. It's always versus something. Like there's always like Superman and Lex Luthor. And like, you know, every villain has to have this hero. Why does life have to be that way? Is it that we're creating that way because we're so stuck in the parallel of, of duality that we keep restructuring duality so that we can keep having experiences of it so that we can say that duality is real because we keep experiencing it? But just because you keep experiencing something some way doesn't necessarily mean it's real. In fact, it's only as real as you make it real because it's based upon your attention and your ability to give an idea or a concept to it. Things happen all the time, but what you choose them to be is up to you. Like the story of the man who, you know, was having all these difficulties in his life. And, you know, the neighbors would always say, oh, that's horrible, that's bad that that happened to your son. I'm so bad that it happened to your son that he broke his legs while farming because the animal ran loose. And the father would say, good, bad, who knows? And they were like, oh, but no, it's definitely bad. His legs are broken. The father was like, okay, good or bad, who knows? And then he goes to the hospital and he meets this nurse and he falls in love. Now, is that good or bad? Again, was it necessary for him to break his legs so that he could fall in love? Again, who knows? The point of the matter is, if we keep classifying something as good or bad, Instead of like realizing that it just is and then we get to decide how, it, how we want to deal with it by stepping back, I think that's when we get into a place of true enlightenment, right? What do you say? Live a life without reaction. Live a life without trying to make something be what you think it should be. Uh, live a life without using your ideas and your concepts and your beliefs and measuring it up against someone else and deciding if they're crazy or if they're sane. I think anybody who's not speaking out of the box is completely, completely insane. I think insanity is the new, is the new black. 
I mean, from my point of view, if we look at it, like, I mean, you have to be pretty crazy not to see that you only can survive on planet Earth with a little bit of insanity, right? But, like, insanity doesn't have to be this bad thing. It just means that you're able to shift your energy in ways that allow you to handle and adapt to all the different circumstances that are taking place. For instance... We live in an illogical world. Even though a lot of people like to believe this is very illogical world, they'll even make statements like, that's not logical. Uh, life isn't logical. I don't understand what you're talking about. If you think it's logical, that's your choice to believe that. But if you look around, it's not logical. Like, it's not logical for us to constantly contaminate our food, use devices that give off radiation, which is basically slow. It's like I call it the slow kill. Killing me softly with your phone. Killing me softly with ease. Killing me softly with TV and the radio. At the disco, at the movies, with the video games. Killing me softly with your radiation towers 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 killing me softly with 5g killing me softly with these killing me softly with 5g radiating me softly killing me it's crazy in this illogical world you get my point? The point of the matter is that if it was a logical world, half of those things wouldn't exist because we know that it's, it's hurting us on some level. And in a logical world, our first teaching in school would have been emotional intelligence. You have all these people running around planet Earth with no emotional intelligence and you wonder why people are flying off the handle, popping off, and can't control their behaviors and blaming everyone for their unfortunate circumstances, which they're the one creating anyway. Sure, you might say, did my mom create the cancer? Well, I'm not going to say your mom created the cancer. I could say that we all created the cancer because we created a world that creates cancer because we live in a world that's illogical. We use devices and technologies that radiate us. We eat food that's contaminated with poisons. We spray our crops with all kinds of chemicals. We speak in derogatory and rude and words that do not empower and uplift and, and really give us the, the profound knowing of our greatness and our beauty as being a part of the living species. We segregate, deny, and separate, and we do it all together. Each and every one of us is a part of the calamities that we see. But in order for those things to change, we have to learn to change the way we operate in this world. And that means what? That means that we have to stop being judgmental and believing everything that the media and newspapers say. I've had my fair share of media comments all the time. Like I always love how they always put in the front of the media the black bisexual shaman with who dates Princess Martha Louise. I mean, you would think they would come up with a more smarter headline like the wacky, crazy, lit shaman or the like the shake it up to wake it up uh, shaman. No, but they have to make sure they let everyone know I'm black, which again is only enforcing their whole code of being black, which enforces the whole marketing of being black. Being black. What a marketing scam is that? Being white, being this, being that. 
What if I'm just the melanated man? Or why can't I just be the man? Or why not I just be Shaman Durek, who is dating Princess Martha Louise without any other label? Or you can just call me by my nickname, Ducky, who is dating Princess Martha Louise. But no, they have to make sure they say the black, bisexual, Shaman Durek, who dates Princess Martha Louise. I mean, really, you would think it's, a, 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 it's like a, an advertising for a new movie that's coming out. The black, bisexual, Shaman Durek, who dates Princess Martha Louise, coming to a theater near you. I mean, really. Can they come up with anything more interesting, creative, collectively on any level? How many people do you think is in an office at any of these places that think, hey, do we have enough brain cells in this room to remove these two words and actually just call them Shaman Durek, who dates Princess Martha Louise? Most chances are no. Because the thing is, people say those things so they can get a rise out of you. See, the brain cells that they're using and the mental technology they're tapping into is called sell, 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 sell. And how do you get people to sell? You rile them up. You trigger them. You set them off. They see someone who has an issue with race, who can't stand black people, sees the black. I got to read this article. Who's this black guy? Then someone who's an issue with, uh, with uh, homosexuality will say, bisexual, dating a princess. How's that possible? And then they'll say that. The interesting thing is this. All of it is to get a reaction out of you. So you'll buy more papers and support more of their gossip. But that's not the only where, place where that exists. Think about when you're with your friends. Do you talk about uplifting things? Do you talk about ways to be able to support uh, each other in becoming the greatest lit leaders you can be? Do you talk about the things in the world that are happening, not from a place of sharing the horrible stories, but from a place of how can I get involved to make things better for this planet, for children, for the elderly, for women, for men, for the plants, for nature, for the animals, for our air? for everything. How can I make this a better place? Heal the world. Make this a better place for you and for me and the entire race. There are people dying. If you care enough for the living, make a better place for you and for me. I'm sure somebody got a trigger from that too. The point I'm making is, if we really think about it, right, all jokes aside, we have the ability every single day to make this world a better place. We don't have to gossip. We don't have to judge. And we don't have to go and do all of these things that take us away from who we are and put us in other people's energies. And then we wonder why we're tired, agitated, grumpy, lack patience, and have no motivation because our spirit and our emotions and our mind, three spirits, one of them left behind, your physical body. So three spirits have abandoned ship and are in often everyone else's energy. And then your physical body's there. And then when they come back, they're like, oh, oh my God, I need a place to rest. And they come back in your body and you get to feel all the aftermath of the fact that they left you and went into all these other energies. Is that really necessary? Not really, but 
it happens. And a lot of people need to wisen up and realize that in the medical world, yes, medicine is so important. The medical world is important because that's what we have right now to facilitate health, right? But we have the holistic world as well. But there's another world that hasn't yet been integrated on earth and that's the spiritual one. That's the one where we have spiritual technology, we have the allopathic, which is the medicine doctors who are wonderful. And then we have the holistic doctors and the, the, the functional medicine doctors and the people who are really joining together and combining forces. Like, you know what I loved as a kid? <laughs> okay, so what I loved as a kid was I loved when Superman and Wonder Woman and the Wonder Twins and all of them got together and had this whole place where they would go and they would join their forces together to really help the planet. Why aren't we doing that? Where's our wonder? Where's our, where is our superhero team? Our wonder team, right? Like, where are the shamans and the doctors going to sit down and talk? Where is the functional medicine doctors and, and the holistic doctors and the acupuncturists and everyone going to have a conversation and share notes so that we can create a new understanding of health and rejuvenation and regeneration and rebuilding on planet Earth? We're not going to get there by segregation. And we're definitely not going to get there by throwing our opinions on each other and thinking that we're right over the other, even though we know nothing about their world. Like, I always think it's very fascinating when people come to me and they're like, always trying to figure out how I'm Shaman Durek or, you know, Shaman Durek, like, you know, um, like, like, I don't understand, like, how you became a shaman or this or that, or they'll be like, oh, you know, I don't understand what you do. It's fake. It's phony. It's this, it's that, which they've never explained it or they've never had an experience of it at all. It would be like me going, I really hate Chinese food food but i've never eaten it i hate peanut butter jelly sandwiches have you had one no i can't stand green smoothies have you ever had a green smoothie no not that i remember (laughs) i mean really people i mean you can't say something is fake and phony unless you walk down that path then you sound like an ignorant person who's just scared of life and you're just going around making opinions off of no background data or facts or information I mean, and it's not right for any spiritual person to throw their views upon a doctor or a doctor to throw their views upon a spiritual person by saying one is right and one is wrong. If you don't instead have gone to medical school and you haven't studied medicine, then you don't have a do- tell the right you don't have a right to tell the doctor what they're doing. And if you're a doctor and you have never studied shamanism or anything in the holistic world and you know nothing about herbs and plants and you know nothing about anything of energy and how it functions, how it operates and what subtle energy frequencies are, then you don't have the right to make your comments over someone who lives in that world. You want to learn. And if you want to learn, you come together and you talk and you share and you collaborate from a conscious place. doesn't mean you have to join forces. You don't have to join forces. Not everyone's meant to join forces. You know, that comes down the line when you can trust each other. But start a conversation at least and do it with an open heart and an open mind, not from a place of I'm starting this conversation with you so I can debate you because a debate is really a waste of energy. And all it means is that you're insecure and scared and you know nothing and that you're afraid and you're not really wanting to know the information. You just want to push your truth down someone else's throat. That's not fun. So let's be loving, kind, gentle, giving, nurturing people. And remember that we have to remember that we have four spirits physical emotional mental and spiritual and if your emotional mental and spiritual spirit is in other people's business and in what the media is showing you then your physical body is going to hurt 
and it's going to feel a lot of pain when they return home. I say, stay in your autonomy, stay in the center, be in the nucleus, be the eye of the storm, and remember that when you focus on you and you get to expand from that place, it doesn't matter what anyone says, because at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. Love you. Hey tribe, so the tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hey tribe. For this tribe share, we have an amazing song from Ryan Donahue. You can find him on Instagram at Ryan, R-Y-A-N underscore W-I-T-H-T-H-E underscore Sax. That's S-A-X. That's Ryan underscore with underscore Sax. I know you're going to love it.
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, do you want to learn shamanism? I want you to learn shamanism, because I think it's something that you need to have in your life. Shamanism is not about religion, it's about relationship. Relationship to your food, to your body, to yourself, to your community, to your ancestors. Not to mention, it gives you a lot of really cool, powerful tools and hacks that you can shift your life and lift your life in ways that you never imagined. I mean, get rid of the obstacles. So if you want to learn shamanism, I have so much to share with you. Come check it out at theshamanschool.com. That's www.theshamanschool.com. I'm waiting for you, and I'm excited. Let's be our best self. Bye. All right, Tribe, time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you they love you, well, let me be the first. I love you. And what I love about you is that you are a natural born leader. You've come here to be exactly as you are. No, no copycats, no, no fakery, just you and your authenticity and showing up and learning and growing so that you can bring the knowledge and wisdom to each and every one of us and we to 
you. And that's what it's about. It's about sharing and bringing community and service because the greatest gift we've been given from, from creation is the ability to serve and to bring awareness so that we can continue to adapt and evolve while being here on planet earth. And I am super, super happy about that for all of us. So if you're not every day waking up, shouting in the rooftop, how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, how powerful you are, what a genius you are, how creative you are, well then get to doing it because that is the truth and that is who you are. And I, on top of like getting and shouting and getting out there and just really shouting and having a voice that's really creating some change in the world, the person who is in the studio today, Mickey Agarol, who is the most powerful powerhouse. I can't begin to tell you, like when I sit in front of her, it's like pure energy and wisdom and realness and like just down <laughs> as you know what. So she is a serial social entrepreneur who was named Fast Company's most creative people in 2018. I am really happy to, to, for you to hear her story, to share her wisdom, and just for all of us to make space for just the honoring of, of Mickey. Mickey, thank you and welcome to Ancient Wisdom today. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. and so, so happy to connect with you. So fun. Yeah, me too. I, I, I love you so much. Ditto. And like, I just love when our energies come together because we get it on yes. this other level that we don't even really need to speak about. It's just, it's just <laughs> this level of, I get you, you get me where we got to do what we got to do to maneuver ourselves into like deeper, deeper levels of authenticity and, and showing up and just being yes. as we are without fear. So mm. I just, I just, yeah, I just honor you. I appreciate you. And it's not even, it's not even necessarily without fear, right? But it's cause like there's fear in all of us, but it's taking action in the face of fear. Yeah. Right? That's, and right. that's like, that's like fearlessness, taking action in the face of fear. Um, you know, cause that's, that's a real, it's a human, it's a human feeling and that's, that's okay. Yeah. I think fear is definitely, when I say without fear, meaning in the sense of like, for me, I look at it as that when you do take action, you actually dissolve the fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. the fear, the fear is like an interesting motivator in a weird mm -hmm. way. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, what is fear? Fear is lacking information. <laughs> but at the same time, mm -hmm. like I've, I've learned from just jumping out of an airplane when I used to be so afraid of heights and now I'm not afraid mm -hmm. of heights anymore. Um, and, uh, and literally when I remember my friends were like, I can't believe you can't even climb up to a tall building because you're so afraid of heights, but you're going to jump out of the highest level airplane. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like the only way I'm going to lean into my version is to throw myself from a plane. And <laughs> even if I have to scream like all the way down to, I get to the bottom, let it be because mm. I'm going to do it. And it's going to heal my, my fear of, of, of heights. And literally I can walk in the tallest building now and step to the edge and nothing scares me because yes. I, I jumped into that, into that space. So that's what I, I really believe. Oh, I love that. So what yeah. I wanted to ask you is, you know, I know you've created a few innovative startups for men and women that have tackled the taboos. For those in mm -hmm. the tribe that don't know you, can you share briefly about like, you know, what was it like for your past coming into who you are right now and being this powerhouse, amazing woman that you are? I mean, I think, you know, my lineage is definitely of uh, a lineage of entrepreneurs. Uh, my father came from India, um, you know, to, to Canada where I was born um, with $5 in his pocket. And, um, and really, you know, his whole life experience was seeing his father own a sari shop 
in India and in Varanasi and Benares, like the the holy city, you know, in in India, and um, and his his brothers are both entrepreneurs. You know, his family is just full of entrepreneurs on my mother's side as well. My, my mother's from Japan and, you know, my lineage and on my Japanese side, side stems back to samurais. And uh, my great, 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 great grandfathers were samurais in Japan. And there's still a sword in my family that I wish to hopefully one, you know, you know, like get, get it, get it um, passed down to, to, to us. I'd like to have it hanging in my home to just really remember where, where we come from and, and, um, my mother's side is a samurai samurai lineage, and so I think there is a fighting spirit in there, for sure that um, lends itself to fight, you know, taboos and and societal preconditioning that have held humans back for so long. Um, you know, for for me, the things I've been really care what things I really care about are um, looking at categories that are considered uncomfortable in society, unmentionable. You should not be talking about these things. I mean, this is stuff that you're really aware of and, and talk about as well in, in the work that you're doing because spirituality is there's very little, you know, language to a lot of it. And so people can, you know, can call it hokey or weird or whatever in the same way when you're talking about things that have been considered taboo for so long, like a woman's period and poop and pee and like things that humans do every single day and need a way to a really efficient, you know, practice to, um, to release those things um, and celebrate them and celebrate the fact that our bodies, you know, take in all the nutrients, you know, squeeze out all the nutrients and then, and then remove all the stuff that our body doesn't need um, in the form of, of either blood or, or pee or poop. And um, these are the categories that I've been really, really fascinated by, interested in, beyond just um, solving a problem with innovation and creating our, my products, but also eliminating shame in these very basic things. And when you eliminate shame in these very basic things, it helps really open the gateway of eliminating shame in every area of our lives. Oh, I agree 100%. I had a situation when I was young uh, that we were walking through the mall shopping with my dad. Mm -hmm. And my sister um, had her, you know, her moon cycle. And, mm -hmm. you know, and yes. so my dad looked at her and was like so grossed out and disgusted that he like grabbed his jacket and threw it at her and was like, cover yourself up. This is disgraceful, mm -hmm. you know, and I looked at him and then she was like so ashamed and embarrassed by the whole situation. And, and I looked at him and I go, dad, why is that um, like this bad thing that you're making it to be? Like, this is a normal aspect of my sister's body. Is it not? Like, yeah, we're in public though. Like that's, she should be, she should have had something to, to, to put on, you know, to, to prevent this. This is because of, you know, her inability to take care of herself. And I said, you know, dad, I think that instead of sweet, instead of making her feel horrible, we could have acknowledged and supported her and what she needed instead of making it about your issue and about what you, what your issues always are. Yeah. You know? And it's also, it's, it's all, it's, it's all exactly what he learned from his childhood growing up, the conditioning that was bestowed on him by society, by his teachers, by his peers, by everyone around him. And that's what sets the tone of how people think. I mean, all of us have certain preconditioned thoughts of how we should be in the world you know we we've all agreed that time is time in the way that it's described i mean again it's it's a made-up system yeah we've all agreed that money is real and that it's an exchange that we've agreed to 
is worth something. But again, it's all made up. You, you know, we think about the way our tax system is, that's completely made up. The way our cities are run, that's completely made up by people. The way we, every single thing in our lives that run our lives that we believe to be true in our lives are completely fabrications um, by, by people from past generations that we've agreed to is just the way it is. And I think the reason why I wrote my book, Disrupt Her, is because it's really about disrupting so much of, of those notions that, wait a minute, like authority of every single thing that we do in our lives, and we just need to give ourselves permission and remember that we do, because it feels like so often that we, because from, from the point we're born, you know, to the point we die, we just, the conditioning begins, how you're supposed to sound. If you're a boy, this is how you're treated. If you're a girl, this is how you're treated. If you're a boy, you get worn with these colors and the girl, these colors. And if you're a girl, you can cuddle them and coddle them. If they cry for boys, you slap them around and tell them to be a man. And then you just, and then it goes from there. It's just how to be as adolescents, as teenagers, boys are taught to not be emotional and to hold in their emotions and that violence is much better than being emotional. For women, you know, we're, we're told not to climb trees and, and, to, and, to, and to do things that are rugged, but instead be ladylike and, and, and sip tea at home. Like, there are so many things that we've been so indoctrinated to believe are, that, are, that are the way, the way it is, but it's, it's just not true. And so um, it's, it's about looking, and this is why I think this, this COVID-19 thing, this coronavirus thing is so fascinating. You know, we talked about your book and, and how it was going to be originally going to be called the, the black, what was it originally going to be called? The blackout 2020. The Are you blackout ready? blackout 2020. Yeah. Are you ready? And like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like we were really in this phase of, wow, everyone is sent home and everyone is sent home to themselves to be in a, almost a state of penance and to really self-reflect after you've watched all the Netflix, after you've cleaned out all of your closets, after you've gotten to every fight with every family member and after you've been annoyed and bored and this and that and all that's left is you just sitting with yourself and me just sitting with myself. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, when we do that, like we have to explore and we have to go in. And I think that, you know, you know, both of our books, I think, you know, my, my whole, my whole dream is that we all check in with ourselves and ask ourselves the big questions. What am I doing with my life? Why am I doing these things? Why do I care about this so much? Why am I fighting these things? Why am I fighting these people? Like what, what is it all for? And then we, you know, once we, once we finally kind of sit in penance, sit in meditation, sit in silence and quiet after all, all is said and done and we're sitting there, what comes is just space. And what comes is, is just like, oh, wait, I could just breathe. And oh, wow. And what comes from the breath is, and space is just clarity. And then with the clarity comes, you know, insight. And then the insight then dictates, you know, our next big question is, you know, which is, you know, how can I be best in service, you know, of my highest and greatest good? Like, what is my next best action that I could take? And so we were talking about right before this, this, this you know, this um, interview, this podcast started is just, really, you know, figuring out like, yeah, what, what is, what is it, what are the things that we care about? And then, you know, things like we can all stay super high and just be above a lot of shit that we're experiencing in our lives, or we can remain high. We can remain in our, you know, in our shaman Durek state, right? And we can also approach the things that are, that are real and 
and, and that, are, that are, are affecting our spirits in a real way. And so, you know, we were talking about, you know, like, for example, in, in my life, you know, I've, I've, I've been, I've dealt with some really painful times, uh, you know, with, with, you know, with, with people in, in, in my previous companies and so much, so much like wild, you know, nonsensical things have been, have been said. And, you know, for me, I, you know, I remained above it for a really long time. And then I, there came a point where, you know, I talked to my guru in India and she said to me, you know, we, we, we have to, we have to stay high. We have to stay, you know, really, really devoted to our, to our spiritual practice and what, you know, our Dharma in the world. And we're also not living under a rock and we're not living in a cave. Like we have to approach, you know, certain things with, you know, in the real world, like, you know, in the real world. And so if that includes, you know, having to, to take, you know, important measures like legal, legal action, things like that, those kinds of things are important too. So by, by, by thinking about what is, you know, what is the next best thing I can do that's in service of my highest and greatest good? It's, it's, it's both in what is it that, that my spirit really wants? What is it that I really want? And how can I also protect the goodness that is within me um, from, from those that are trying to, to, to harm that too? Like there's a combination of both in there that's both totally valid. Yeah, I just feel like it's a little tricky. It's a little bit tricky, you know. It's kind of like walking on a tight tightrope, you know, mm-hmm. and how to how to find your balance in that. Because, like, for me, being a shaman, I don't want to take people to court. I don't want to have to sue people for yeah. the way that they do things and talk about me and talk about, you know, um, you know, my girlfriend and 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 just you know whatever it is that they choose to say and and how they choose to attack me in the public. It just seems that people are so unhappy. Yeah. That they feel like they have to, you know, take judge and yeah. yeah, judge and try to like dim your light. And, mm-hmm. you know, and as much as I want to meditate that away, that's not going to happen in that way, you know, because mm-hmm. there's real action that you have to take on the physical, on the physical plane. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also about knowing when to take that action and also when to kind of hold back. And, and hold compassion. And hold yeah, compassion. And hold compassion. Yeah, totally. And and you know, for the most part, most people are pretty. You know, when when they're feeling hurt, you know, like the saying, "Hurt people hurt people." Yes. Right. Yes. And it's like that's just that's just true. And you know, when people are feeling hurt or sad, you know, in my book, Disruptor, in my chapter seven, I talk a lot about you know the internal spectrum of self against the external spectrum of self. And um, the idea is, um, you know, if you're feeling internally angry, hurt, sad, insecure, anxious, jealous, or envious, you're more likely to act out mean, take downy, put down, scarce, negative, you know, but on the other side, if you're you're feeling on the inside, happy, fulfilled, secure, inspired, then you're more likely to act, act outwardly, kind, complimentary, uplifting, and abundant, right? You can share another's abundance when you're feeling abundant internally. And I think it's just a complete state of mind. And, and, you know, we all believe that haters exist, you know, not that we're not haters, but the, the truth is in my, you know, the, the disruption in my book I talk about is like haters exist within all of us. The faster we can catch ourselves acting out as haters, the faster we can go back to being lovers. And that's the, that's a really important thing. We always think that someone else is the hater, but we too have to, to really find the responsibility within all of us that there is hate within us too about the situation or what's going on or what people are saying. And, and we hold that hate in our heart too to, to really find compassion for ourselves first, 
you know, and to really dive into like where that pain and that hurts coming from first mm-hmm. before we, before we really, you know, to, to really take action on the outside. And I think for me, you know, when I dealt with, with my really challenging time, I spent, you know, really a couple of years, like not saying, you know, really not, not, not doing a whole lot, um, except for really focusing on my business and focusing on my family. I was pregnant at the time when all the, all the stuff that I had to deal with went down and, um, had my baby and wrote my book, Disrupt Her, which was a really nice, that wrote this book, which was, which was, you know, a, a, a really good, like, you know, sort of um, call to arms for people to really disrupt the way they think about people themselves, how they treat others, the way they think about, you know, money, power, their lives, relationships. Like there's so much that feels like that requires a complete reset and disruption um, from 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 you know from really the soul space all the way to the to the external, and so um, you know for me it was it was really a an opportunity to do to do a lot of that deep excavation and um, and realize that you know once we once we once we figure out like what it is that hurts us we can then find compassion for the other person so even when we have to battle them you know battle battle somebody you know in in a in a in a legal way. Um, it's done with compassion, if that's possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's done, it's done with compassion instead of being done in a way that's super spiteful because all that does is hurt us. You yeah. know, I, I've, been, I've been really angry in the past and all, all it does is, is hurt my thyroid and hurt my, hurt my body, it hurts my, my, my spirit. And, uh, you know, Louise Hay in, in You Can Heal Your Life talks a lot about, you know, like, whenever something shitty is happening, like we, we tend to loop about that thing over and over and over again and think about it and get mad about it and, and, and sort of like vent about it and talk to everyone, our mother about it. And, and it's like, all that does is it, it brings us down. And, and yes, it's important to, to really share how we're feeling and, and, and what we're going through and having some, you know, a, a really some, some good outlets there, but to, but to, to let that thing fester in us is only allowing the other person to actually win. Right. So it's about like the way, the way I talk about it in my book is, is how to become a warrior gatekeeper of your mind and how my, how my coach and I worked on, on a lot of the stuff that I went through was, you know, when, when, when something shitty would appear or someone would say something mean, I would, you know, I, I, I would, I would have to let that thought get to the gate of my mind. And then I have to really, you know, be my, what are all the thoughts that are entering my, my gate? And then to practice being a warrior gatekeeper of my mind is, is really standing strong and saying, sorry, no, you are not allowed in my mental gate today. I, I'm not going to talk to anybody myself it to anybody about it. I'm going to let this conversation be for Tuesdays at 11 a.m. with my lawyer. And that's when I'm going to have the conversation. That's when I'm going to really going to go into that. But right now, I'm just going to really look at outside, look at nature, look at my, my beloved girl, look at my, look at all the magic that's coming my way. Cause there's always, it's always 90, 90% amazing and 10% shit. And we just tend to focus on the 10% shit, but instead like, let's just, let's just catch all the negative shit at our gate and let's say no and no to those things and just start like chirping with the birds, you know, in a, in a, in a beautiful way. Um, and, and really stand strong. And that's how to become a warrior gatekeeper of your mind is to really stand steady 
in your positive thinking. It's so easy to go negative because the world is so negative. The headlines are so negative. The marketing is so negative. Our friends and the trolling, the Instagram, the everything. There's so much negative hate constantly. There's a lot of love too, but there's also a lot of trolling. And, and we just, you know, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts, right? Like we get a ton of paper cuts and then all of a sudden we're like bleeding out, right? And so the idea is to like stop it at the gate don't let it enter. Say, make a mental note that that's a conversation with my lawyer on Tuesday at 11 a.m. or it's a conversation with my coach on Tuesday at 11 a.m. And then the rest of the time, I'm going to be focusing on all the, literally the holy shitness of being alive. <laughs> wow. You know, the thing is, is that the whole consciousness of what you just said is literally, the, it's, I call it the landscape of humanity, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because the, the, the thing is, is that human beings have to register that, that it's better to spend more time, you know, because I call it the mental ecology. It's like spending more time focusing on the uh, things that you, that are bringing you joy and love and, you know, and making you feel like, wow, look at the beauty of the water glistening as it's going by. Wow. Look at how amazing the sky looks. Oh, wow. Listen to that song that's on right now versus all the other stuff that we have to deal with in this slave planet because you know being on this slave planet we have things being pushed mm -hmm. at us without without our ability to say no and if we say no we're not allowed to be a part of society nor are we allowed to integrate and so there's this there's this whole idea that we're taught which is like all the way back from school, which is like, do your homework, do your work, and you're going to get grades, you go to a good college, you get a good college, you're going to get a good job. Yeah. And if we don't do that, then they say we're not going to be able to survive. Or the parents will instill into a child, you know, well, if you're an artist, you're not going to, you're going to struggle, you're going to go through this. And so through repetition, through this constant uh, system, the system is like a conveyor belt of disillusionment, right? Yeah. And so when we look at that and we go, okay, so what is real? What is this opportunity? Like for me, like what you were talking about and I was being so inspired by what you were saying, you know, it was like awe-inspiring, delightful moments happening as you were speaking, which is like burst of everything bursting through me. Like mm -hmm. I literally was thinking, oh yeah, because just recently I had a situation with, you know, everything that you know that I'm going through in my life. Yeah. And I laid in my bed and, um, and I laid there and I say, is there a part of me that thinks I should be punished? for being Shaman Durek. Mm. And, I, and I had to look at that and be like, is there a part of me that believes I should be punished for being Shaman Durek? And is there a part of me inside that feels that I'm a bad person and should be punished? And then I heard, yes. Mm. And I go, why? Mm. And it said, because shamans and anyone who goes against the system of like what is normal are going to be put to death, burned at the stake, this and that and the other. So mm -hmm. punishment is inevitable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. And then it was like, I was like, first thing I said was like, first, I just want you to say, like, I want to say I apologize for everything that I've ever done to anyone that I did mm -hmm. anything where I was like not in the right mind or doing something mm -hmm. out of like some, some aspect that wasn't coming from the place of love. And also we need to redefine that. So I was like talking to my ego, who's, who's the one who creates my narratives and being like, Hey, do I have a lot of rules from this lifetime and other lifetimes where I felt like I needed to be punished? And it said, yeah. Uh, you feel that you should always have some form of ridicule. And that also is a feel for you to keep going forward because of things mm. that have happened to you in the past when you were a child in school and everyone made fun of you and bullied you for having powers. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, so it's, it's that interesting dichotomy because when we get into it, we realize that 
we are the ones who are creating the, that disruption within ourselves from the mm -hmm. outside world. And if it's coming from the outside world, it's coming from our inner, our inner world. And then how do we shift out of that? What is spirit asking us to do? Do we have to stand up and take that person to court or, and really stand in our power? Do we like how, how, what is the message and the teaching that's coming through? So I, I, I very much uh, connect on, on a yeah. wholehearted level what you're saying, my love. Totally. And, and it's interesting also, you know, as you're saying that, you know, it, it, it reminded me of a story that um, my, my guru from India um, told me and she basically, um, you know, said that, um, reminded me of the story of the Mahabharata, you know, the Mahabharata and the Ramayana, mm -hmm. the two big Indian scriptures. And there's a story in the Mahabharata about, um, you know, after the war, you know, Krishna, Lord Krishna said to Kunti, who is the mother of the Pandavas, you know, he said, you know, throughout this year, you've been the epitome of devotion and you have suffered so much. So I would like to offer you any boon of your choosing. And she said, what she said was so interesting. She said, you know, leave me with one wound of pain because it keeps me calling to the divine. And she said that when things are going so well, the divine is far away. And in times of great difficulty, you know, the divine is close by. And so the idea is that, you know, when things are going great, we're like, woohoo, everything's wonderful. Like you're really, your spiritual practice kind of becomes secondary. And oftentimes when you're something really challenging, you really, really learn how to sit and be compassionate and dive in and check in with yourself. And that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting way to think about suffering, right? It's just like, you know, what suffering does, it really keeps us, it keeps us in our heart. It keeps us out of our ego. It keeps us humble. It keeps us thoughtful. It keeps us in our spiritual practice. And that's, that's really, really interesting. You know, the, the other thing is that taking that Han, I'm reading Thich Nhat Hanh's book, which is oh, love, amazing. Love. Yeah, the, the Heart of Buddhist Teachings. Yes. Yeah, so, so good. And he talks about, you know, the concept of suffering. And he said, without suffering, you can't grow. And without suffering, you know, you can't get the peace that we deserve. You know, he's like, Please don't run away from your suffering. You know, embrace it and cherish it. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting when, you know, we, we know that it's like, but we also like, oh, it sucks to suffer. But then we also understand, you know, how, how Buddha, like when he came up with the four, you know, with the, with the four noble truths, right. And it's just like, like, like when you're suffering, you know, it's like, you then have to go into it. When you go into the noble truths, like the first noble truth is, is like, yeah, you're, you know, you, you experience the suffering. And then this, the second noble truth is, is like the creation of suffering. Like you really, really dive into what created the suffering. Like, what was that? What was, what was the feeling around it? What, what was the, what was, what was I experiencing that created the suffering? Like, what is the anger, the pain, the hurt? Like, what am I feeling around that? That's the second noble truth, which is like, you know, really diving into like, what's the creation of suffering. And then the third noble truth is, you know, the cessation of the creation of suffering, which is just like, it's just like really under getting to the root of where the suffering is coming from. So then you can just stop that. And the way you actually, you know, cease the creation of suffering is by going to the fourth noble truth, which is following the eightfold path, which is, you know, right view, right thinking, right speech, right action, all those things, you know, right, right mindfulness, um, right concentration. There's, there's like an eight, eightfold path where you really start to, um, you know, understand 
the, the, the root of the suffering. And then you start to look at it. Cause like we're, we've, we've been taught in the world that when we, when we have shame or embarrassment or humiliation or go through something really painful, we want to sh- just sh- close that chapter and run away from it, never bring it up and, and spit it out and throw the key away and hope nobody ever finds it. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of like where, where we're, where we're at. And that's like, you know, that, that's, that's an absolute truth you know, for me as well, it's, it's extremely painful when, when in, in those moments where of, 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 of vulnerability, but then the more I, I dive into it, the more I'm, I'm just so interested in, in where that root of suffering comes from and that I can really overcome it. I can really find the, find the power and the, you know, and, and really just all the tools I learned to really overcome it. And that comes with, again, all those things, the right view, the right thinking, the right speech, the right mindfulness, all those things. And, and the mindfulness piece is, is so, so important. And this is where, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh talked about, you know, the, 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 the Buddhist philosophy around, you know, stopping, then calming, then resting, then healing. And he said, like, you know, when, when you go through something really challenging and you're just like about to, you know, about to just like, spiral out of control in your head you know it's like in my book i talk about in my book disrupt her i talk about how to practice you know being a warrior gatekeeper of your mind and then practicing pattern interruption you know Thich Nhat Hanh and, and and the buddhist way they, they talk about a similar thing which is like when you experience something really challenging you just stop you just stop just like just like find just find a way to just stop like literally stop and sit still and just like go into your breath and by stopping, just stop. And then once you stop, then you calm. And then when you're in the state of calm is when you can really, really start to kind of go into, you know, all of the, all of the understanding of, of, you know, what, what, what just triggered you and then the acceptance and then, you know, the, the love and, and all of that. You can just really start to understand in the calming. So you stop, you breathe you meditate and then you, and, the, and then when you're in a state of calm, you just, you have these insights, you know, you, you have the understanding and acceptance of, of what just happened and you accept yourself fully for having those moments. And then from a place of calm, you just, your body just releases tension. And then when your body releases tension, it's in a state of rest. And, you know, Thich Han talked about how when you're in a state of rest, it's kind of like when an animal, you know, when an animal in a forest you know, gets injured. It just finds a little hole and just stays there and just sits. It doesn't move, just rests until they get better and until they heal. Whereas humans, we're like, oh my God, like calling this person and calling that person and talking to people and trying to move forward and trying to do this and trying to do that. And we're just, we're just adding more stress to an already stressful situation because we just want to just want to move forward and trying to get out of it. And holy shit, like, oh my God, I got to keep going. And oh my God, and, <laughs> yep. you know, and it's just like, rather it's like, okay, let's stop. Let's calm. Let me rest. Let me just chill the fuck out. Let me just turn off all my, I'm going to turn off my Instagram. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to take a week and just not look at my phone for one time. And I'm not going to look at my email one time for one whole week. I'm going to just sit in nature I'm going to listen to birds chirping. I'm going to listen to beautiful, you know, healing meditation. And then in that process, I'm going to get to heal. And in that healing, so it's like stopping, calming, resting, healing. And the healing is when really, you know, that's when just like your spirit comes back. And like, that's where I just like, that's where I found, like when I'm doing my Vedic rounding, I'm really like, my Vedic rounding is like, 
you know, when I'm going, when I, when I feel like, you know, blood rushing to my head and I'm feeling heard in any way. And I'm like, Oh my God, like my heart starts to palpitate or something happens. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to my Vedic grounding. And so I start by just breathing and I just do 10 deep breaths. And then I go into, you know, 15 minutes of asana, which is like slow yoga poses. And I do five minutes of pranayama, which is just like breathing in and on my nose. And I do, and then I do 20 minutes of meditation and my meditation, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just releasing tension in my body and allowing my body to rest. And when you allow your body to rest, your, your spirit rests too. And when your spirit rests, it gets to, it's stronger like any animal would when they just crawl into a hole and just lets the body heal until it's strong enough to go out again. And I think we as humans just do not stop, calm, rest and heal. And I think that's, that's a hugely important, impactful thing that I finally learned in my chrysalis. Like I'm in, I'm in my chrysalis right now, which is my three month where I'm calling my three month time in. I'm writing, a, I'm actually writing a, I'm so, I've just been so inspired in these three months of just taking January, February, March, and, you know, or, or really February, March, April off, um, or not off, but in, into my being and reading all of these books. You know, I read Sadhvi's book, you know, she's, she's, she's like what I'm calling my guru in India. She's, she's a dear friend, but she's also the most sage, brilliant, um, spiritual teacher, you know, based in Paramatnikatan um, ashram in India for the last 20 years. And, um, and she, you know, she, her book, you come home to yourself is amazing. I've re I read, of course, um, be here now by, by, um, uh, by Ram Das. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I just finished, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. And I'm, and I just read the heart of Buddha. I'm just in the process of reading the heart of Buddhist teachings by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I've just read how to fight by Thich Nhat Hanh. It's a really good book on how to fight, but how to fight compassionately, um, you know, by Thich Nhat Hanh. And these are all just important spiritual books that I would never have let myself or give, give myself the time to read unless I stopped. And so I finally, I was just, and in the process of stopping, you know, I've had, I've been battling a thyroid condition for the last two and a half years since my baby was born. I mean, I, I had a thyroid condition and then my baby, you know, when I got pregnant, it kind of went into remission. And then um, after I gave birth, it kind of came back and I was dealing with a lot of stress in my life and a lot of, a lot of the stuff, stuff came back and my thyroid levels kind of went out of whack again. And I've been taking this, I've been having to take medication and all these things. I finally started seeing Dr. Mark Hyman and eliminated all the, you know, the detoxifying stuff in my, in my diet. And I, and I, you know, all the infl infl inflammatory foods in my diet. And I started a really serious meditation practice, self-love practice. And then I finally said, okay, I'm taking three months, just three months in my big life, three months. I'm taking time in just to stop, calm, rest, and heal. I'm just going to do that. And I went from my, 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 my thyroid levels are at 0 0.01. So that's my TS. My thyroid stimulating hormone was at 0 0.01. Just normal. It, just to get pregnant, you have to be at 0.26. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I was at 0 0.01 for two and a half, two plus years, taking medication, doing the whole thing, like hating having to take medication, feeling because I just didn't really stop and rest. And so as soon as I came on my chrysalis, my three-month chrysalis, I started after a month and a half I went from 0 0.01 to 0.4. <laughs> this is after two and a half years of trying everything, but still not stopping and not, not calming and not resting and not, not healing because I just was kept going and going and going, building my next company, having my baby, doing this, writing my book and going on speaking to her. It was just like not, I wasn't, 
and I was still in my back of my head dealing with the trauma, the PTSD of all the shit I went through. And so to really, really practice that and to be, to be, to practice that and see the results, like just, and again, like, you know, not to be results oriented, but, but to be honest, like, it's just, it was remarkable to see, like when I let my body and my spirit truly, truly stop, calm, rest, the healing came and the healing came and the healing came. And it's just, it's just, it's, I can't recommend that enough. And it doesn't, it's not a ton of time. It's two, three months is, 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 you know, in an adult life to take that time and do that inner work and to journal, I journaled so much, wrote and wrote and wrote and spent two week long, you know, silent meditations in nature. I did one week silent um, in nature alone. Um, And then I did one week silent uh, with Adi Ashanti, um, the Adi Ashanti retreat in, in the, in the Redwood forest. That was with, I mean, we were silent and, and really in our own practice, but there were other people there. But um, I did I did two in the in this in these last two and a half months that I'm still I'm still through at end of April is going to be where where this um, my chrysalis concludes. Chrysalis is really the time before a butterfly becomes a butterfly. So I just coined it instead of like sabbatical. I'm call I, I'm, I'm calling it time in. It's my chrysalis, and um, and uh, and I've just I've all the stuff that I'm that I'm sharing with you you know, I've learned really, you know, in the last, in the last, you know, few months, really doing the practice in the last few months. And then of course, doing a lot of research prior to that, but in the, in, in, in just really, really sitting and practicing, I've, I've done that. Um, and it, it's just showing such deep healing, um, you know, results for me. So it's wonderful. Yeah, I like what you said. And, you know, I wanted to bring a point. I want to add on to what you were saying uh, because you were talking about how, you know, because I've read a lot of those books that you've read when I was really young. And, um, you know, one of the one of the things that I thought was very fascinating, um, you know, that I found in a lot of the traditions is this idea of suffering in order to Mm. to awaken. And so when I started, you know, when I really started diving deeper into my shamanic training and really spending more time with my aunts and learning from them and, and really learning my family's heritage and culture, we started, you know, I started like going in and asking spirits these questions, like, why do we suffer on, on earth as a way to evolve? And they said, because human beings have not yet elected to understand the discord from a place of seeing it and then correcting the imbalance versus creating more imbalance on top of the imbalance. Exactly. And so, exactly. Right. Right. And so like, until we bandaid on bandaid on bandaid on bandaid on bandaid. And so until we do that, we keep creating this idea that the only way we can evolve is to suffer, to get us out of that part of ourself that has programmed our ego to be, to be stubborn and to hold on and to, you know, and to be Keep going and push and through, push through and, yeah. and like, and hustle our way through it and yeah. beat the door down. And like, you know, and so it's interesting because when I asked spirit, what is the way to get back to that place? And they said, to get back to that place, we have to make space for, to hold space for nature and women. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I thought that was very interesting when spirit revealed that to me, because to hold wow. space for nature and women um, is the same. 
So, you know, spirit mm, told me if you want to, yeah, if you want to see the state of women on the planet, look at the planet. If you want to see the state of the earth, look at women because they're, mm. they're interconnected. Beautiful. And, I love that. Right. And so mm. what, so, so it was interesting. I was adding on to that, what you were saying. And then the other thing, which I thought was really interesting is I, I, I say this word all the time to everyone. I say, stop dropping to love because in shamanism, <laughs> the idea of reaction is the idea of acceptance. So when you react, you actually are accepting of whatever it is you're reacting to energetically, mentally, emotionally, and also physically. So you're creating what we call the four pillars of your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. You're actually making that a reality for yourself and ingraining it as truth because it's coming through the four mm -hmm. pillars. And when you don't react, everything stays fluid. So then you, what you do in that point is you ground into nature. So you think of the mother mm -hmm. tree or you think of a mm -hmm. uh, place in nature and you ground in. And the reason why is because in shamanism, they say when an animal is wounded, it throws itself to the earth and, and this stays there and lets the earth heal. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So there's so many, so many uh, very similarities and cultures and, yeah. and, and, and observations of creation. It's absolutely it's, wonderful. It's true. I mean, literally, like women make, create humanity, right? So like we are the birthers of the world and the same way Mother Earth created humanity too, <laughs> right? And so created everything, right? And so it's sort of... It's sort of, it's so interconnected. You're absolutely right, you know? Because yeah, I mean, even the first shaman that was ever created on earth was a woman. Shamanism mm. came from women. And then mm. it was taught to their sons. And then the men started becoming the male shamans. But it was actually, it came from the mother, from the woman. Yeah, your aunts, you're saying your aunts taught you. I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, so the understanding of, of shamanism derived from the woman. The woman then began to share it with the children in the storytelling. Um, and then, the, then, then they started to learn the ways of shamanism through learning about nature. Because the first... The first level of shamanism is relationship with understanding the relationship of how everything is interconnected. And we, through that relationship, you realize that anything that you do affects the every, the every and the all. So, yeah. so there's this beautiful symbiosis of, of awakening that appears when you realize that if you take one aspect of nature out, everything will perish. And that's the mm -hmm. same thing with our bodies. And that's the same yeah. thing with our system. Our whole system is built on divisiveness and, and separation. And that only is killing our species and it's killing the animals. It's killing the planet because we're not following the major, um, the major teachings that come from nature and, and bringing that through spirit, intellectual, in, um, what we call technology. Mm. So it's really beautiful mm. that you're, that you know, that, and I love that you said crystallis because uh, I always the tell the chrysalis, yeah, yeah chrysalis, yeah. I mean, yeah. All, everyone, I always tell people, if you really want to grow spiritually, you have to go through the caterpillar, the chrysalis <laughs> and the butterfly. So I call yeah. it, the, right. I call it the true transformative, um, experience. And I, I love, love you know, I love, I, I you know, I, I just adore you. I love how connected we are in mm. so many levels and just also yeah. the way you think is so profound. I really, mm. I, I really adore it. Let me ask you this. I'd love to know what being a disruptor means to you and why you chose to put her in disrupt her. Does that apply to men and women? Yes, that's a great question. I mean, we, we, so, so the word, 
so I actually wrote a page about that in the very beginning of my book. I, I started with a note to you, and I said, and I, then I, the next page is a note to men, and I said, disrupt her has her in it, implying it's written for women, but he is within her, much like man is within woman. The Bible speaks of man, Aristotle writes about man, and even Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and yet women read those texts too, don't they? So why can't we say her and woman and have men read it too? We can. This book was written by a woman for women, but it's meant to be read, it's meant to be read by all humans. So when I refer to her, it does include you too, if you so choose. And so that's it. It's like man, man is within woman. He is within her. We're all human beings doing the darn thing. We all want to disrupt you know, our, our own lives to live our most passionate, lit up experiences. And, and you know, while we're here for a short amount of time, you know, and I think to, to, to really change the, the narrative around, you know, you, you know, you can only read, like women can read men's books, but men can't read women's books. Like this isn't a woman's book. This is a book about disruption. I, want, I, I wanted to put her in the title because that's disruptive in, in that, like, I want everyone to read it even with the word her in the title, because he is there too. <laughs> I love that. It was brilliant. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, so seeing that you built multiple successful companies, you know, uh, Mickey, you know, that have tackled taboos and head on, you know, um, for what's necessary to like really stand up and say like, you know, here's something that is needed, even though it makes you uncomfortable, right? So you're changing the conversation of female hygiene and health and environmental sustainability. What are some of the lessons that you can share with people who are going through transitional time at this point in their personal life and business life? Yeah, I mean, I think this this coronavirus, you know, blackout 2020, I think it's it's a really, really, really powerful time to start anew and to like fresh slate and to look at the world with a fresh pair of eyes and say, okay, like in my first book, Do Cool Shit, my first book I wrote was called Do Cool Shit and the subtitles, Quit Your Day Job, Start Your Own Business and Live Happily Ever After. And um, the first thing I ask people to do is ask themselves three questions before starting anything. And the first question is, what sucks in my world? Like it has to start with them. The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Like if it sucks for me and a lot of people, and that's, then, then, then I need to solve this problem. And then the third question is, can I be passionate about this issue, cause, or community for a really long time? And so while we're in this moment of penance where we're sitting at home and really pondering what we're doing with our lives, why we care about what we care about, what we're, what we're interested in, you know, to really ask ourselves, okay, what are some of the things I complain about often? You know, for me, it was having period accidents at the time and now, you know, and then, and then asking other people, do I have period accidents? And then it became about going to the bathroom. When I had my very acute hyperthyroid condition at the time, I was going to the bathroom up to eight times a day and having to jump in the shower because they were like not clean poops. And it was like, you know, I had to like, it was a whole thing. And so I had to jump in the shower constantly. And it was just a time consuming really resource heavy experience until I, until I, you know, until I discovered the day, you know, discovered it for my life. I had, you know, I grew up knowing about bidets, of course, with my parents being Japanese and Indian, but didn't really have one. Love until bidets. My, yeah. And, and so I start, so, so for me, it was like, oh my God, like, you know, bidet, a bidet attachment can easily clip onto your toilet and turn any toilet into bidet in 10 minutes. That's an incredible value proposition. And so, and that would help, it helped completely change my life, helped completely change like feeling clean and feeling fresh and feeling new and feeling confident. 
And, um, and I realized that it sucks for a lot of people. You know, 30 million people suffer from chronic urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching, you know, GI issues, you know, bacterial vaginosis. Like all of these things can be alleviated and can be supported by just this fresh prey of water instead of using dry paper. And so it's the problem for a lot of people. And so what sucks in my world is it sucks for a lot of people. And the third question is, can I be passionate about this issue cause or community for a really long time? For me, I'm really passionate about changing culture. I'm really passionate about breaking taboos, things that are uncomfortable to talk about. I'm really passionate about saving the planet. You know, to date, we've helped over two, we've helped save over 2 million trees. We're getting flushed down the toilet as toilet paper, you know, with our, with my bidet company, Tushy. And, um, you know, we've helped, we've helped, you know, save so many resources from that goes into making toilet paper, killing trees, the, the, you know, the, the, the billions of gallons of water required to press the paper down, the production, the plastic to wrap it, the, 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 the gas to bring it to the, to the warehouse and ship it. It's a whole thing that can just be completely eliminated by just using, you know, you buy our $79 product one time, you attach it to a toilet in 10 minutes and boom, it sprays your butt and you've now, you know, pretty much eliminated toilet paper. We have organic butt towels to pat dry, or you can use 80% less toilet paper. Um, we have organic bamboo toilet paper, so you don't have to cut down trees at all. Bamboo grows up to 39 inches a day, so it's like a weed. So, you know, it's like I can be really passionate about solving the environmental problems, and then I'm also really passionate about fighting the global sanitation crisis, you know, that is affecting billions of people on the planet who don't have access to clean toilets, who are insecure you know, in, in, in the, in the way where they go to the bathroom, especially girls and women who, you know, right now they have to often hold in their pee and their poop, you know, wait till nightfall, walk miles away to relieve themselves. Yeah. When you're holding in your pee and your poop, you're, you're getting UTIs, you're getting all these gastro issues. Cause it's not good to hold in your pee and your poop all day, all, you know, all day long. A lot of women and girls don't eat enough food or drink enough, you know, drinking enough fluids because they don't want to have to go to the bathroom. So they're often dehydrated. It's all these things because if they go out and poop in the open, they're going to get raped. Yep, that's a big issue. All. It's a huge issue. And huge. so this is happening to, you know, hundreds of, you know, like it's, it's billions of people and, and, and hundreds of millions of, 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 of girls and women. And so, um, if not more. And so, um, it's, it's a really big issue. And to date we've helped, you know, over 50,000 families, almost, almost 60, 57, almost 60,000 families gain access to clean toilets in India so far. And so, and we want that number to be in the millions. And so, you know, we've helped build toilets in India through our partnership with Samagra. And so, you know, I, I'm really, what I'm really passionate about is, um, is, 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 is really solving a problem for me, solving a problem for other people and the planet, and also then having a give back where, you know, all the money that we're making is not just going into my pockets, but it's being recirculated. I talk about in my, in my book, Disruptor, about how, you know, things like if, if objects are just staying, standing still and just staying on your mantelpiece to collect dust, it's, it's dead. And same thing with money. If you're just collecting it in your bank account, and it's not being put to, to, to work or, you know, to use, then it's, then it's basically dead. I mean, you, you have to have some savings, but outside of that, you know, it's like people who just hoard and hoard stuff and hold money, hoard all their things, um, is, is doing a disservice to the circulation and the energy that it can create. And so for me, I love the idea of taking some of the proceeds and, and bringing it back into the world and letting it, letting it continue to, to be circulated by building toilets and, and, and really circulate and creating a world that I want to see the world that 
that we want to see. And so that's, that's what I think is, is really propelling my businesses forward is that it's not just, you know, an endeavor to, to, to make money, but it's really an endeavor to create a circular, you know, ever positive spiraling experience. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I a hundred percent love that and everything that you're saying, because that's exactly what it's about. And I tell people about hoarding all the time because like for, yeah. for me, my, my whole business model is based on the idea of how can we give more to the people? How can we create more for the people? And so what can we do with the resources that come in from the things that we put out there and then circulate that back into the community? And What's interesting too is I, you know, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, at the refugee um, camps, and all the biggest issue that I talked to about women when I was there is uh, the fact that they're afraid to go to the bathroom, and uh, because yeah. they're afraid that you know they have to walk all the way um, to a certain area and they have to go to the that bathroom and they're going to get that raped. raped. That rape. Up, it's it's so crazy it's crazy it's and so like crazy. one woman i spoke to she told me her daughter got raped by seven guys oh just for going to the bathroom oh you know and it's just no, so no, it's, re- it's happening to millions and millions of millions and millions of girls and women it's disgusting and it's and so yeah i can be passionate about that for the rest of my life you know so, so can i so can yeah, i yeah and I'm, yeah. I'm really passionate about your passion and i'm mm. passionate and then and here's the other thing too like where we are today with the coronavirus and everything toilet paper is the new diamond ring and not a lot of people have it mm-hmm. so they should be getting uh tushy you know <laughs> you know what i, I mean, mean? Toilet, no toilet paper is is like a is a is actually a a a uh is actually really, really, it's bad for human health. It's bad for our pocketbooks. Like people are spending hundreds of dollars per year. If you have a family, especially, you're spending even more. You know, you're spending, you know, like really, really important natural resources. You're killing trees, life-giving trees that give us oxygen. I mean, toilet paper is, is a lose, 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 lose situation. Whereas, you know, using fresh water is life-giving. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, you're using only a pint of water, you know, instead of a toilet, a toilet paper roll, which by the way, a toilet paper roll requires 37 gallons of water just to make one toilet paper roll versus using a pint of water. So net net in a week, you're actually saving 55 gallons of water per week by using a tushy <laughs> by using a bidet instead of using toilet paper. So it's just like, it's yeah. just, it's just a no-brainer, I think, and so. But like people yeah. are fighting right now. These are why I'm calling it the new diamond because people are literally yeah. freaking out that they have no toilet paper, as if this is like the new diamond ring that everyone has to get, or the new thing that like new car that's on the mar- on the on the thing. Toilet paper has become that huge commodity for everyone, but they don't realize that that commodity. Because like I've been. You know, I, I just now got this house here in, in Los Angeles and, you know, and I said to I said to my assistant, I said, I want every room in the house to have, you know, a bidet. So she's been researching and getting it because we just got back in town. She's researching and looking and looking and looking. So I'm really glad that this conversation came up because now I can go and keep it in the family. Uh, but the, <laughs> the cool thing is, is that, and she goes, well, why? Why don't we just buy a bunch of toilet paper? And I'm like, no, because toilet paper may not even be available, but also it's, it's, it's a, such a waste. It's such a it's waste. It's such a waste. It's such a waste. And honestly, because of coronavirus, I think everyone is starting to realize that like, oh my God, I'm just over consuming. Let me just bring into my home just what I need and not and, and not have to go to the store more than just enough times 
And I think this is a call for people to think a lot more sustainably, to think a lot more in the realm of, you know, let me buy reusable products, not single use products, because, you know, I, I'm realizing that I'm home, that I'm just wait, just such a waste, you know, like you said. And so um, I think the mindset towards reusables are going to change too. And I think it's, it's such a good thing for the planet and for people and for their pocketbooks and for the energy of the world. It's just better. Absolutely. I, it's true sustainability. And yeah. I think, I think that, so check that, out. Oh, and by the way, don't go to tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site. Go to hellotushy.com if you have decided to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm gonna send everyone. I'm gonna tell everyone to go to Tushy, and then they're gonna be like, "Shaman jerk, are you kidding me? Like, what is this? I know. What I are you know. trying go to say? To- <laughs> I know you want. I know you like shock value, but what are you really trying to do here?" <laughs> <laughs> that's it's fantastic good. It's good. <laughs> so tell me how can people um find you and where your where your book is get in touch with you yeah um, yeah i mean you can um definitely check out my book disrupt her you can buy it on amazon barnes and noble all the booksellers um you can you can if you ever want to message me you can either dm me on instagram at mickey agrawal or you can go to my mickeyagrawal.com and on my website I actually have um, if you subscribe to my I have, a, I have a thing called 52 moves in 52 weeks where you basically every week you're going to get one disruptive move it's free um, you know based on my you know almost 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur um, having built you know thanks to she all my businesses um, you know I, I'm in just just it's it's every week you know I'm asking um, the person to take an action that's towards disrupting their lives for the better. And, um, and so I definitely urge everyone to check it out. Just go to mickeyagarol.com and you can see the subscribe page and subscribe there. Um, and then, um, if you want to check out, yeah, if you want to, if you want to check out Tushy, just go to hellotushy.com. Fantastic. You know, I, I, I I love you so much. I'm so appreciative for you you on the planet. I really am. Yeah, oh, we same. need we need just more conscious people like you who are mm. just aware of like how do we how do we lighten this load how do we subtract how do we get into a place where we're not having to do so much and yet yeah. we're creating a great um great response with people and the environment yeah totally that's it it's like we're kind of making it harder on ourselves than we should be and i've learned that the hard way i'm always I've always been making it harder for me until I'm like, nope, stop. <laughs> I'm stopping. I'm calming. I'm, you know, I'm resting. And then I'm feeling <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love it. Thank yeah. you, darling, so much for oh being my with gosh. us. Hey, Tribe. We're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, I want to tell you how life-changing the products of today's podcast sponsor, Blue Blocks, are. Blue Blocks offers an advanced lighting filtering eyewear that targets improved sleep and health. Now, I don't know if you know, but sleep is the most important thing you could ever do for yourself. Why? Because it reduces stress, it reduces inflammation, and it allows your brain to be optimized and function. And I truly believe that if you want to have the best start in your life so you can live a lit life, you want to get some good sleep. And when you're well, when you're well rested, our mind and our body performs at its spiritual potential. 
to ensure my body gets the sleep that I need, I wear Blue Blocks. And I wear it because I want to optimize my life. And I wear it also because I like blocking out those horrible artificial blue lights that are emitted from man-made lighting and devices. I mean, you know, we don't even realize how much our brain is being activated by these lights. Blue Blocks offers computer glasses with clear lens to combat digital eye strain when working at a computer all day. And also yellow summer glow lens to help combat anxiety, depression, migraines, and low mood during the day. I kid you not, the signature sleep lens improves sleep when worn before bedtime. And if you want to get that sleep so that you can get out in the world and stay lit, stay powerful, and be the lit leader of legacy that you are, you got to have Blue Block sunglasses. The world leading sunglasses. And they offer non-prescription and prescription sunglasses for readers. So this is a really amazing tribe. So I have to say, they're lit verified. And the best bit is for every pair of Blue Blocks glasses you buy, Blue Blocks will donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need in a developing world. By taking care of your own health, well, we get to take care of someone else's health. So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code A-W-T at the checkout. And tribe, remember, we want to be our best self. So get blue blocks. Everyone should have them. Hey, Tribe. That was an amazing conversation with Mickey Algaron. First of all, I just want to say that this woman has helped me so much in my own life about really looking at things from a different spectrum and seeing the blind spots in my own life where I wasn't able to see it because I was so caught up in so much of what was going on in the world and with press and people coming at me from every angle and, um, and just creating drama um, around me, which was really distracting. And she helped me to navigate myself through my awareness of realizing to take what people do and utilize that as a way to create growth and change in the world. And, you know, I'm really honored to have her accept to come into the studio and to um, talk and share about her life. You know, you know, one of the things that um, what she was talking about is, you know, we have to take action in the face of fear. We're you know, a lot of times people don't want to take action in the face of fear. You know, a lot of times they want to sit sedentary and just wait for someone else to do it and, you know, and see if things are going to get better. Or sometimes people will even, you know, join with other people because they don't want to, you know, to be the only one who's taking that action. But taking action in the face of fear really is the true key to awareness of self and what's possible for you and what you can actually achieve and the amount of courage and strength you have in you already that just been waiting for you to just step into. You see, a lot of times in life, we, we hold on to these principles of awareness that have come from the outside system that dictates to us who we are or tells us who we are based on our achievements and how many accolades we get. But now, 
Today, that's so old paradigm. Today, we need an insurgence of new energy. And that energy is only going to come in when we recognize that the access to true transformation starts with us stepping up for ourselves and what we believe in and what, what we feel, you know, we need to talk about and share, you know. And for someone like her who... She's come from, you know, a lineage of entrepreneurs and in her great, great grandfather was a samurai in Japan. You know, first of all, if you know anything about samurais, they are powerful, honorable beings who would even die on their own sword. And that has a lot. You know, there's this state called um, Satori and Satori basically means that it doesn't matter what's going on and it doesn't matter how many distractions are around you. All you can focus on is this one feeling, this one state. And I remember the first time I jumped out of an airplane, I was so afraid of heights. And I said to myself, I need to do something that is so off the wall and so different than what I would ever do. So that way I can access that true state of Satori. And even though it was a challenge for me just to be on a high building and look over the edge or on a mountaintop to look over the edge, I was like, this is the challenge I need to be able to get to that state. And that's what samurai warriors were about is that they stayed in one idea, one state, and they were able to, to move through any obstacle and the honorableness and the devotion that they upheld in their code was so important and so when I made that jump out of that airplane it didn't matter if the bills were due it didn't matter if someone had called me earlier and pissed me off or whatever it may be that triggered me it didn't matter what was going on in the world all I was in this was in this state of Satori was just literally captivated by just the fall and every every sense and everything else went out the door and that that type of power that type of uh you know, uh, energy is what we need nowadays so that we're able to move beyond these limitations and these, these ideas of lack and separation and fear and, you know, just all this stuff that comes at us from the outer world that is just being, you know, filtered through televisions and other people's mouths as the doom and gloom of our, you know, our experience on earth. When in fact, we have so much power inside of our being and so much power for us to be able to move through these dysfunctional intellects and be able to get into a space where we recognize, hey, you know what? That may be real for you, but that's not real for me. And so because of that, I'm going to stay in this place of truth with myself and I'm going to be like a samurai. I'm going to be unstoppable and nothing is going to stand in front of me and I'm willing to die and I'm willing to commit and devote to my views and ideas for change on this planet, even if it means my life has to be taken. And that's what samurais were about. It's like, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, you know, do you want to live your life afraid? Or do you want to live your life for something you believe in? And stand up for something you believe in? And die because you stood up for it? You see, that's the energy that we have to hold on to. Now, I'm not saying I want you all to die, but what I'm simply saying is, at what cost would you give to bring your dream to life? 
Look at Martin Luther King who said, I may not get to the promised land. His dream lived on and continues to live on. And so many other people, so many people who lost their lives, who gave their lives for their vision of a better world. A vision where children don't have to live in a world where war isn't even an option. Or the idea that the school system is only based on seeing if you follow the rules so they can place you into, into jobs that support their system instead of really finding out how amazing your technology is and what you could actually do with it as individuals and that the emotional intelligence factor and the awareness to contribute to life is so much more greater than getting a good grade. To be able to be a part of a world where people aren't afraid of affection, connection, community, the ability to step forth and see people thriving and living out of poverty and lack and limitation and subjugation and oppression because those who have need to have so those who can't don't because those who have won't let them and the idea that you have to be someone with tons of likes and you know you have to be uh, a lot of people have to know you and you have to be a celebrity to have a voice to speak up for something or stand for something it's not true so I want you to really think about you becoming that spiritual samurai you know and really step into that space you know because it's like what I love about Mickey is that she took time to not just say oh I just want to do something in life and just do it she's like no I want to do something in life that's controversial that's uncomfortable in society and that is a taboo and that people don't want to discuss or think about because it's either too dirty or too disgusting or just you just don't talk about those things on an open table at lunch with your friends and that's very admirable don't you think to do things that are uncomfortable in society and take that risk and that leap of faith and knowing that the very thing that's uncomfortable is the very thing that will be successful because that's because people are hiding it in their shadow, hiding it in, in the dark places. And those things that are hiding in the dark are actually the true money makers, the things that are really going to shift uh, consciousness. So the more controversial, the more uh, things that you create in the world that make people uncomfortable, the more stir, the more energy, the more transformation. Because remember, when people's feathers get ruffled, the reason why I always say ruffle people's feathers and, and, and live out loud and be who you are and let all of your colors shine and, you know, and as crazy as you think you are is as normal as you really are, right? And so that the people who are really crazy are the ones who actually think they're normal, but it's actually they're crazy. Because if, if you live on this planet and you actually wake up every morning and you're not screaming into your pillow and screaming into your pillow before you go to bed to be able to have some sense of sanity and be able to carry out your your day-to-day -day tasks and be able to say to someone good morning how are you oh I'm great and I'm wonderful and, and with a half-baked smile knowing good and well you're not wonderful when there's people starving and dying on your planet animals are being tortured and, and mutilated uh, the earth is being desecrated and war is constantly in action as a way to solve problems 
and that people are starving when there's so much food supply and people are wasting so much food when so many people are starving and you're going to tell me that your normal action in the day is hello how are you and smile with a half-baked smile i mean the fakeness just doesn't get any better does it so yeah so the crazier you are the more normal you are and if you're screaming in your pillow like i do every morning you've got this the thing is is that so many times people are always wanting to create businesses and get elect themselves into things that they think people are going to like that they want people to like and love like and love like and love that is so boring it's so yesteryears it's so um dead in the pan because the reason why is because it's like there's nothing new. There's nothing exciting. It's the same old rhetoric, the same old regurgitation of like what makes people comfortable. Yay, our business is going to be successful because people are going to be comfortable with what we're doing. Whereas with Mickey, she's like, I don't really care. Let people be uncomfortable. Let the stir, let the hurricane come, let the tornado come, let the, the wind blow and the, and, the, and the storm happen because that is what creates change and that is what creates success because success is not driven by those who play safe. Set success is driven by those who have the ability to stand in the eye of the storm and smile knowing that they have created that storm for the purpose of change and transformation on the planet. So whatever business they get into, they're not looking at people pleasing, they're looking at creating uncomfortableness in society to get people to really pull out those things out of the shadow, which they'll do anyway, just because you were the forefront of it. And that's something special, you know, because it's like we have to recognize that if we are operating in this very lack consciousness because we're so afraid of someone not liking us or approving of us or giving us the thumbs up or the green light, then we just might as well put on some handcuffs and tell the world we're a walking slave. Yeah, it's like that. Because you're a slave if you feel you have to people-please people in order to be valuable and seen and acknowledged. You know? I mean, think about it. Even Mickey's book, Disruptor, you know? It's like, it literally is what she says. And what she says is what we need to do if we are going to move into a new paradigm and into a new global arena of change on our planet. Everything that's going on with the coronavirus, the coronavirus is an opportunity, a grand opportunity for us to be able to disrupt everything that is going on that is so completely out of balance and whacked and completely off the Richter scale and way out of lines and literally formulate new ideas and develop new creative senses and new visions to support the world that is coming and how do we adapt to all of the changes and how do we how do we create businesses that are thriving when most business was always built on the idea of giving people things that they really don't need 
and making them believe that they have to have certain things instead of really going behind and finding out more about what the people are in the company that's making these products and ideas and where did they formulate these things and why and how does it support us in thriving how does it support us in adaptation how does it support us in evolution how does it allow us to be able to move out of the fears and the boxes and the limitations that the matrix has placed upon us to live in and follow like herded sheep to being able to step into an understanding of what it would mean for us to move the mountains of change in the way that we need to so that we can live a better life. You know, because everything that runs our life and that we believe is true in our lives has been made up and fabricated by past generations to the point we begin in our lives to condition ourselves with these beliefs that are so bogus and completely void of truth. Like completely. And like if we think about it, right? It's like, you know, during this whole COVID-19, we have all been sent home to be with ourselves, forcing us to self-reflect. And yeah, it is a force. It's a force with a loving, gentle, as, as Mickey says in her book, a disruptor to get us to really look at how have we been living our lives? What type of relationships have we created? Why are we gossiping? Why are we putting our energy into superficial things? Why aren't we focusing on supporting each other, loving each other, nurturing each other, lifting each other, shifting each other? Why are we putting our energies into these things that do not really have value or sustenance in our lives? What is the cause of it? And why do we think it's okay to, to put ourselves into these energies when in truth, they're doing nothing for us? Why are we buying things we don't really need so we can collect more space, so we can cover up more space in our home, so we can feel comfortable that we have something that we own, when in truth it can go like that in a fire or a hurricane or an earthquake or worse. The idea that we have created this reality based upon nonsense and fabrication from our past generations without clarifying it with truth and bringing some level of common sense to the platform of life. I mean, literally, you know, people cannot be more grateful for this time that we're going through right now as much as it's not comfortable for people who have to leave, leave the planet and lose their lives. But we also have to understand, too, that this is also a grand opportunity for people who don't want to stay through the whole entire blackout of the 12-year cycles and don't go through all the cataclysmic changes and things that are going to happen from famine to human migration to you name it. If we don't learn and understand how we are affecting each other in the earth, that they can go home and be in heaven and support us as their as ancestors and beings of love who are here to guide us with their wisdom now that they're on the other side. And some, you know, for some people, it may sound harsh for me to say that to you because you think, well, what do you think? I wanted my dad to die. You think I wanted this person to die? Well, no, we, no one wanted someone to die. But the soul doesn't wait on what you want. The soul has to do what it has to do regardless. 
everything happens for a reason and just because you don't understand the reason doesn't mean that it didn't have to happen you know it's like if i take all the things that i've gone through in my life all of it had to happen in order for me to be able to love you as much as i do and be able to embrace the most vile, disgusting person that society would call vile and disgusting and brace them and put them in my arms and know that I can love them unconditionally. You see, you go through a maturity when you go through all of these experiences in life. And that's what Spirit is asking us, to become mature. Stop acting like dysfunctional children who are just, you know, destroying their, their environment, their, their planet themselves. Because you're so unenable, not, I mean, you're so not able to really see what is really necessary for our species to evolve. So when we look at a lot of the pain and the suffering, like Mickey was saying, hurt people hurt people. So if we're happy people and we're loving people, and we're nourishing ourselves and we are we are taking care of ourselves and we are honoring ourselves with with unconditional love and acceptance and kindness and generosity and gentleness mhm oh yeah gentleness then we won't have hurt people hurting people the internal spectrum of self versus the external spectrum of self is really important for us to really take notice there's haters in all of us and if we pretend like there isn't then that's going to hold us back there's haters in all of us and the key element is to love the hater free is to give the hater an opportunity to grow and evolve the faster we catch the hater the faster we can get back to being the lover and that is a powerful statement that mickey made because a lot of times people say, oh, that person's hating on me. But how many times have you hated on someone or hated on yourself or hated on something you didn't like about your, your social political leaders or the, the, the general public or something you saw that people did or something you didn't agree with or something you don't understand or something you're just so afraid of that you just have to hate on it because you just don't understand it because it scares the crap out of you. We've all been there and we all have come from a place of hate at some time or another. But the faster we catch that hater and the faster we can get back to love. And really, that's truth. That's truth. Because when we do this, we are able to fight with compassion instead of spite. Because, again, Mickey is talking about the idea that instead of us fighting with anger and rage and words and, and vulgar languages that put down and degrade the human spirit and life, we can use compassion instead, which is the ability to know that none of us, not one person on this planet, is holy than holy. We are holy in the essence of our being, yes, but in the nature of our, of our growth on this planet requires us to trip and to fall and to stumble and to make mistakes so that we can understand how things got the way they are and then we can observe it from our hearts with love and then of course correct it and put it back in its rightful order once we see where it's been put out of order but what we do on the planet is once we see something out of order we judge it we condemn it we criticize it we want to kill it we want to get rid of it we want to ostracize it we want to separate from it and we want to just completely 
damn it and send it away. And the thing is, that does not create growth. Because all of those things that you see that irritate you and get under your skin and make you upset and make you feel like, you know, people are evil and dark and this and that and the other are all the things you came here to transmutate. You didn't come here just to walk around as this being of, of light and look at everyone with your illuminating glare and stare and, and look down upon them because you're greater than them because you went to India or you um, got to drink a booming batch of ayahuasca or you, you know, got so much training and knowledge from all these different spiritual intellects and, um, and ways to observe God that you are not one of those people and they are them and you are you and therefore you're not evil and you are of the light and you are loving light that does not allow our species to evolve and that is not why you left heaven chose a human body to come to this planet you came here for one purpose and that purpose is to lift and shift the people the planet and the darkness and you do it through compassion and love right so through the act of meditation and through the act of awareness as Mickey says, you practice being a warrior gatekeeper of your mind. You begin to la- think of the, the way I always say it in shamanism is, which is very similar to what Mickey is saying, is literally imagine your mind like a child that wants to wander off. And your thing is to observe your child. Let your child experience and grow and, and, and you know, and go on these, you know, experimentations, but also not to the point where it's going to create destruction or it's going to take you so far away from what is necessary at the time that you stay in this place of distraction and and disillusionment from who you are and why you are and why that's so important. And so, you know, if we think of it like a child, right? A child wanders off and it's like, hey, come back over here, you know, like come over here be right here with me right that allows your mind to learn how to to sit in the center and be able to honor that center and hold that autonomy and get out of codependency and really step into that place because you know mickey says suffering keeps us in the heart and keeps us in our spiritual practice don't run away from it lean into it embrace it shamanism we have the same thing lean into your aversion step into the place that's most uncomfortable for that's where your teacher is that's there to help you remember your power Right. And so it's the understanding of don't let pain be the thing that takes you away from yourself. Let pain be the thing that takes you into yourself. Because when I was growing up and getting beaten and bleeding and shaking and like, you know, just going through getting kicked and smacked and punched and going through all kinds of crazy things in my childhood, the more pain they inflicted, the more suffering I went through. You know, my sister used to always make this joke like we could have ended up like, you know, like mass murderers and killers and psychopaths and all this stuff from all the horrible things that were done to us. And she goes, what do you think made us different from other people that we see on television who like kill their parents because of things that they couldn't take anymore because they were so abused and they finally snapped? Why didn't we snap, brother? I said, because the more pain we went through and the more suffering we endured, we went deeper into ourselves instead of away from ourselves. We went deeper into ourselves and dug deeper into love and held on to it like a security blanket. Like if there's nothing left I have and there's nothing here for me, at least I have this little something. This little something I can build upon. And that's love. And that allowed me to come out of all that suffering and pain and, 
you know, just excruciating pain. I mean, just pain upon pain from the moment I was five years old and, and, and onward. And being able to just go deeper and deeper into myself and grab that place of love. And that's what I feel Mickey is saying. You know, when she's saying that, don't run away from it, right? It's like the suffering keeps you in your spiritual practice. It keeps you in your autonomy to recognize, to go in, not out all the time. So, you know, Mickey's story is really powerful and beautiful. You know, she developed thyroid issues because she wouldn't stop going. When a lot of people do that, I know I catch myself doing that, becoming a workaholic. Um, and when I say workaholic, meaning workaholic, instead of becoming a loveaholic, and just focusing on everything through love and it's you know and so it's a grand principle of constantly keeping myself aware that I'm not in work mode I'm in love mode and bring joy and happiness to it and also make time for myself to kind of step away from it and go play video games or dance wildly or sing a Disney song or just go and do some kind of meditation um, or go use my new calm or go do anything that's or go work out or do something that is going to nurture me or just lay in a field of grass let the wind blow across my face and talk to the wind spirits and look up at the sky and marvel at the awe of everything. You see, because once she allowed herself to stop, to calm, to rest, that's when she started to heal. And how much are we allowing ourselves to stop, to calm, to rest? So if you think about it, that's exactly what we're going through right now on the earth is that we've been asked to stop, to calm, to rest, and heal thank you coronavirus thank you for giving us that space to just stop calm and rest so that nature can replenish itself and heal so that we can heal and replenish ourselves you know there is this understanding in life where if we continue to not sleep and let the body rest, our body can't regenerate. It can't fix and repair. It can't resurface energies that it needs in order to maintain the body and homeostasis. And yet we go to bed every night and sleep how many hours we sleep. And of course, that's not enough with all of the, you know, all the things that are happening on the planet the amount of constant aggression that we're feeling from things in the earth that's going on on the earth sleeping at night is not enough that's why you have to add meditation in there cat naps in there you know little five ten minute meditations throughout your day will add on to all that you're dealing with in the world a lot of times people go to sleep and they're like i'm still tired it's because your your body's not fully regenerated it didn't get all that it needs and that's why it's important for us to not eat late at night and, you know, do all these things because our body needs to stop digestion. It needs to stop doing those things so it can focus on repairing those cells and those areas in your body that you don't even know they've been damaged. Like your eyes or parts of your brain or different blood vessels in your body. So again, to let it just stop and calm and rest is really important thing, you know? And it's the only way we're going to be able to maneuver ourselves. I mean, when we stopped going out in the world and producing things that we don't really need to produce, the skies got better. The air got cleaner. The animals, you know, got healthier. Nature is now being able to repair. 
And that's a beautiful thing and we need to witness it and see it and not run away from it. You know, and I love what Mickey stands for. You know, she has helped 60K families gain access to toilets in India. And, you know, she has focused her whole business ethics on, on her everything that she does as a way to create a spiral, a way to give back to everyone herself in her environment. That means that not only is her company aware of what's going on environmentally, it's aware of what's going on with humanity, and it's aware of what's going on collectively and individually, and it's also aware of what's going on spiritually and intellectually. And that's something powerful, right? And so it's really giving us an opportunity to really see a new business model that she's showing up and saying, here, look at this. Here's how we should be doing business. Everything that we do should have a connection to everything that is a circular in the circle of life that is allowing everything to sustain and maintain, not just me making profit over you because you're buying a product. It has to be something that is all-inclusively supporting every single one of us on multiple levels. That's powerful. That's amazing. And that is why I had to have this powerful woman with us on Ancient Wisdom Today share. I know you've enjoyed that conversation the way that I have. And I'm so happy to share with you my love about that conversation. It was lit. It was powerful. And it's even worth going back and listening again. I love you so much, Tribe. And remember, this coronavirus has made people realize how much of our consumer behaviors have been out of balance and what is important for us to get back in balance. So take this time and celebrate your life because it gets better and better every day. Love you. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hello Tribe, I'm so excited to announce the start of the Healing Temple. Every Monday and Friday in the Healing Temple, all who join will benefit from a collective shamanic healing with me. I will be removing blockages clearing out poisons and resetting and rebooting for up level in your life healing temple will be every monday and friday with the first one starting on friday may 8th the drop-in price is ten dollars and to register go to events page on shamanduric.com or visit linkster on my ig the healing temple is there to help all of you thrive and stay alive. See you all there. Love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today, Tribe. I love you all so, 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 so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, 
please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more and remember to stay lit. I love you. Thank you.